so that is also a concept that or a message I should say that a lot of women don't get and that a lot of women are a little bit more fearful about is taking that leap in the trust for yourself and the business and your ability to produce and provide for your family. It's just that we've never had the conversation as robustly as we're starting to have in many different facets. We're starting to have this conversation much more readily now because it's becoming more and more acknowledged and more and more disclosed. After being drawn to the company by a promise of free ice cream 17 years ago, Bethany Baines is now Google's Director of Strategic Partnerships, and she is still learning every day. You're about to hear how she climbed the corporate ladder over the years by establishing and nurturing relationships, and how she's giving back with breadwinning women, the community she wished she had when she first started at Google. Coming up, the piece of advice her first manager at Google ever gave her and why it changed her career. The difference between being reactive or proactive in an interview. Impactful ways you can share your accomplishments with your manager. Bethany shares the launch of breadwinning women at Google, followed by her new podcast. And finally, how you can make running your own business and being the breadwinner work for you. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Bethany, I'm so excited to finally be here with you recording this episode. This has been almost half a year in the making. So thank you so much for for joining me today. Absolutely. It's such an honor to be on here and to see you and have time with you again. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. To start, I would love to hear a little bit about your career journey and background because you have quite the impressive career and you know, you're currently at Google and have been with Google for a very long time and I would love to hear how that happened. Sure. So, as you mentioned, I've been with Google for 17 and a half years, which is insane. Um I never ever ever thought that I would be with a company for as long as I have. Uh, And certainly when I applied and got hired, didn't anticipate that, you know, I would be there for nearly 20 years and hopefully 20 more. Um, You know, it's joining a company at such a hyper growth stage and continuing to see the arc of innovation and maturation throughout my time with that company has almost made it feel, you know, it is very, it's the opposite of stagnant. So it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. Our business is constantly challenged. And so when people ask, why have I been there for so long? It's because I'm still learning. I still feel that that angst that people feel when they join a new company and you don't 100% know what you're doing or what everybody's talking about. I swear that still happens to me in meetings every single day. Um, So there's that excitement, that learning, that growth um, that continues to happen on a daily basis. And I've I've been mostly in our advertising world for the entire time, Um, whether that was working directly with advertisers. uh, I now work on what I call the other side of the revenue coin where Uh, My overall group is supporting our third-party partners that utilize our technology to run their own ads businesses so that we keep uh, the web ecosystem alive and funding itself. Um, So it's, you know, it's been an amazing ride. I'm happy to dig into any of my specific experiences. I've been an individual contributor. I've been a leader. I've taken on teams where I honestly feel like I have no business taking them on as it's not my area of expertise. I've had situations where I've organically grown into a leadership role based on, you know, having started from the ground up. So it's been a lot of varied types of opportunities and types of, um, you know, paths within all of those 17 years. It's really incredible what you've accomplished at Google. When you were first hired there, what was the role that you started out at and 
What do you think has really led to your success being able to grow in your career as a leader there? Because, you know, many people are not able to not only work their way up in a, in a corporate world, but in general, there's, I see, especially now we see so much job hopping, you know, what, what has, what's really made your success there? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer your first question in terms of what my first role was. So when I started, um, I actually read an article, this was in 2003, and I read an article about this little company, Google, out in Silicon Valley, and that they gave away free ice cream on Fridays. And of course, the article had lots of other takeaways, but that was my main takeaway. Um, that that would have got that would have got me too. <laughs> I came for the ice cream and I stayed yes. for the ice cream, um, but I was so intrigued. Um, and, and, and honestly, it was such a gift and an opportunity to have them respond to my, my uh, outreach. Um, but my first job was actually as a temporary employee. So for the first three months, I was working in what we called our ads approval bin. So this was literally going through each and every ad that was submitted into our system to review you know, for anything from like content violations to typos. Um, so we had really strict content guidelines, really strict editorial guidelines. Um, and basically they had a room of young people sitting there for hours on end, just looking at each and every ad before it went onto our platform and certainly before it went to our partners. Um, so that was my first job there, really from the bottom up, uh, I would say. And, um, you know, it was it was very uh, hard work, but you still had that energy that you were a part of something and that you knew it was going to be something great. Um, in terms of what I would say was kind of the the key to the success, or at least I guess maybe one of the keys to the success is definitely relationships. Um, and I think even if you are moving around in different com companies and you're, uh, you know, building your network maintaining those relationships and ensuring that you're nurturing those relationships, first of all, is just so fulfilling as a human being. Um, you get so proud and so excited to see people make these amazing career challenges to, to do what you speak to your users about, to be an entrepreneur, to be an entrepreneurista and, and really just embrace what their calling is in life. And I can see, say I've met so many women and so many incredible people during my time at Google that have gone on to do other amazing things outside of the company. So I really think relationships and, and, and reframing this idea of quote unquote networking that some people feel is a dirty word, it's really just connecting with people. And the more you do that, the more you find out about new opportunities, the more you find out about intriguing paths, maybe based on a similar shared experience, the more you kind of get some guts to try different things. Uh, you have more ears that you can bounce ideas off of. So I think really establishing, maintaining and investing in relationships has always been the key to, to how I operate both professionally and personally. I, I think this is why we clicked the first time we had our, our yeah. Zoom chat. I, I just am, am the same way and building your network with real meaningful relationships. That has really been how Courtney and I have grown our business over the years, grown all of our personal relationships. Like our best friends in life are also our best friends in business. Everything is just so connected. And when you really genuinely care about other people and you get to know other people and, and their life and their personal life, you're able to form these real meaningful connections. And ultimately as opportunities arise, you know, you're connected and you're thought of first for those opportunities. And it, it's so important. So I, I could not agree more. Yeah. And in many ways it can be even, you know, you you're there for, the engagements, the marriages, the divorces, the children, the deaths, you're there for all these really pivotal parts of people's lives. And sometimes, you know, I always reference this movie sliding doors, right? Like what would have happened if I went to a startup, you know, four years after I started Google? What, you know, I always think like what would have happened? And frankly, I have so many people in my life that have done all those sliding doors career moves. And so I feel like I'm able to really intimately um, kind of see what another path would have been. And in many ways, that's why there's the symbiosis to these relationships, because I'm kind of in the other bucket where I've stayed and grown within this company. And it's so, in a wonderful way, so intertwined with my identity, um, you know, in a way that it doesn't feel like workaholic-y to say that. It's something I'm very proud of. Um, but it's, 
it's a very meaningful thing when I, you know, see some of my friends who were former colleagues that are like, man, you're still there. That's amazing. You know, and it's just such a, it is a really special uh, way to just kind of see different paths. It really is truly incredible. I want to hear a little bit about when you've been in different roles at Google, when did you know it was the right time to move into a different role or department? And how does that process typically happen? Were you raising your hand for other opportunities? Um, were other leaders coming to you and saying, we want to put you here? How, how did those changes happen? So yes and yes. Um, it's happened a few different ways because I've moved. Uh, I've been a part of now, I want to say six different organizations within Google um, at you know, two or three different offices with, I can't even count how many direct managers. Um, so a lot of things will invariably happen, particularly when you're in a company that's still growing um, and expanding and refining their operating models. So in many ways, opportunities can present themselves during just the nature of business evolution. So whether that's through reorganizations or, um, you know, new product innovations, those types of things. So some of the roles came to be through uh, those changes where, you know, a different path is laid out or potentially hopefully you have a couple options that you're able to choose from, which are more interesting. Um, I've had opportunities that have come not through reorganizations, but more the tap on the shoulder of, you know, we think you'd be really great here. We'd love if you could you know, jump into this role. And then I've had times that I've, you know, gone through the application process and not always successfully, right? So there's definitely been times where I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride, you know, that's, it's just the nature of, of life, you know? And I think as you, certainly as you get more senior, the pool gets more competitive and more challenging, um, but also raised my hand for opportunities that I think might be stretch assignments or might be new directions to take me in. Um, and and that's been again many of those moves have been leveraging relationships so going back to people that are looking for opportunities or where you're saying i would love to work from this with this person i have so much to learn from them um, and then you can kind of follow their path or see what's going on with their teams and make those moves um, so it's been a variety of different paths and i will say very early on in my career, I got advice from my very first manager at Google, a woman named Emily. And she said, I'm always a fan of just looking behind every door of opportunity. So you just never know. You don't have to walk through, but you should always take a look. Um, so I continue, you know, even with recruiters and stuff, I'll take every call because I'm curious. I like to, one, make the connections. I like to learn more. I like to know my market value. Uh, I like to be sharp on my value proposition and make sure I'm really, you know, in some ways almost recommitting myself to Google each time I'm having these conversations, because as much as you think you know what you want, sometimes it's more helpful to discover what you don't want. Um, so a lot of those, I, I do feel like over the past 17 years, and I know I have much longer to go in my career, uh, I, I feel like I've had a lot of varied experiences in terms of how those different paths can can shape up. For our listeners who are like yourself, an intrapreneurista, you've really worked your way up with in this organization and you know been like an entrepreneur within Google. And when you've had to seek out these other opportunities, what is the best way? What's been the best way for you to get noticed? And especially now, where you know so many of us are working remotely, how? What advice can you share for for people to stand out? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's. Every single person is so unique. So you could have worked on the exact same team. You could have even worked on the exact same account as someone else. And you are going to have had a very unique experience in how you navigated ambiguity, how you turned complexity into order, how you managed through chaos. You will have had a very different set of experiences during that time. And I think the best way to differentiate yourself is to figure out exactly what those moments were, exactly what the times were where you had that unique experience. And also accept that that may not be the unique experience that that hiring manager is looking for. And that's okay, right? So there's those moments where you feel, uh, and, and I think particularly for people who are earlier in their career, 
they feel like they haven't had enough experience, or I've even heard people say that they couldn't be a mentor because they, you know, aren't far enough in their career. Um, and I completely disagree. We've all had experiences that have shaped our instincts, they've shaped our passions, they've shaped, in some cases, our regrets. And the more that you take time to really internalize and really crystallize why those are so specific to you, you will be very fluent in sharing that with others. And that's a great way to stand out is almost, you know, in an interview process, for example, they're asking you questions, but you should already know your answers. You should already be thinking of, they're probably going to want to know about my leadership. They're probably going to want to know about a time that I had to make an unpopular decision. They'll probably want to know about a time that there was friction on my team and how I managed through it. So you should be going into those conversations already knowing a few of these stories that could line up to several different questions. And then you just really are able to tell your own story versus feeling like you're, you know, reacting rather than being proactive. That is such great advice. I, I echo the same, just oh, always be prepared, over-prepared. I'm definitely an over-preparer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's never going to hurt you. Absolutely. You know? And there's, there's very few people that I think are actually as good as they could be off the cuff. You know, I mean, there's, there's many times, look, just for sheer honesty here, there's many times in life you have to be off the cuff sure, because particularly now there's just too many balls in the air. I feel like one of those circus people that have all the plates spinning yeah, at the same totally. time. So there's times where you do have to be off the cuff, but certainly, you know, you're better when you're not. Absolutely. And in times when you're, you know, really looking to land something that's very important for your life or your career, if you can prepare, that is definitely the, the best piece of advice. I'm sure we are both echoing that, that we share. <laughs> mm -hmm, absolutely. Right now you're managing, are you managing our team? They're fully remote right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. What does your team do to stand out to you right now? So aside from interviews, because, you know, they're not always interviewing, what can they be doing on a day-to-day -day basis to get your attention for you to notice the work that they're doing? Mm, that's such an important question and such a difficult one because I think we all struggle right now with that feeling of visibility, which used to be like a core tenet of success, right? Is FaceTime. No, not talking about the, the, the app, app, but <laughs> literally the, the meaning of FaceTime. Um, you know, this idea of, you know, the old trope of, you know, being the first one in the office, the last one to leave. Like there were different ways that we physically showcased our efforts, our contributions, our dedication. Um, and I think what I appreciate most now as a leader um, is I know very specifically when my team needs me and very specifically when they have done an accomplishment that they didn't need guidance or they didn't need a steer. And to me, what stands out is being able to read between those lines. So sometimes you'll have, and we had this certainly uh, when we were all in the office as well, but kind of these like show pony moments, right? Where there's these big lengthy emails and there's 8 million people and, you know, it doesn't feel necessarily that the accomplishment aligns with the distribution. And then there's certainly accomplishments that do align with the distribution and 100% deserve that, that, you know, moment of celebration. So I think it's really that that moment of asking yourself if sharing this or highlighting this is more of value to me or to my leader um so what are the ways that i can share something that's very meaningful with my leader in a way that is you know even literally i'll put in the subject line non-urgent fyi only right just I, I want you to know i've spent some time on this it went off without a hitch take a look. If you have questions, let me know. That's all, the only message I'm sending in that subject line, but there's no urgency for my leader to take a look at that. I just want you to know. Um, and, and I think that there is a real way to communicate what you need when you need it, but also make sure that you are, when you're working hard, getting recognition for your accomplishments. And I think that's one of the harder things. So Google has a pretty well-structured program where every quarter we set goals and at the end of each quarter we talk about our accomplishments and whether or not we met those goals 
did we not meet them because they were too much of a stretch? Did we not meet them because there's product dependencies, et cetera? But it allows for that platform to actually have a conversation first and foremost with yourself, but then also with your leader to say, you know, your leader, that sounds silly, but with your manager to say, you know, this is what I've been working on. So it's really nice if you're in an organization that doesn't have this to find a way to set up those concrete check-ins because then you don't feel that you have to do so much of the pushing of accomplishments. It's kind of baked into the natural cadence. Coming up, the launch of Bethany's podcast, Working Wife, Happy Life, and how she's growing this much needed community. Bethany, in addition to all of your incredible work at Google, you also launched Breadwinning Women. Can you share more about this endeavor that you started? Absolutely. Uh, this is my, as you, you use the term intrapanista, and it's exactly how I feel. This is my my side hustle within, within Google. Uh, I started a community, frankly, a community that I wished I had. Uh, it was a moment where when I became the primary breadwinner for my family, um, I really felt so alone and I felt so insecure and uncertain about this path and very, very ill-prepared for <laughs> the road I was charting. Um, and so the more I started to speak with some of my friends, the more I started to realize that there were so many of them who, who were also breadwinning women, this was a topic we were never sharing with each other. We were never talking about the challenges and the pride primarily. Uh, and when I did a lot of research on, you know, any studies or any books around this, everything had this very negative connotation to the role. And that was really defeating and very heartbreaking. And I thought the only way to get the life I want or get the community I want is to build it. Um, and my goal was really initially to just have this conversation in a much more positive light than what was actually happening in everything that I read. And so I started a little alias on, on Google groups, which is our email, um, community platform. And, you know, at first it didn't get much traction. It was really just, if you look at the first, uh, few emails in late 2018, it's just me just sending over article here or there, and there's not much banter. Um, but since then we've now grown to over 3000 women. We are in 28 plus countries. Um, we run about 20 different events a year. Um, so by events, I mean, we bring in guest speakers to talk about a variety of topics. So, um, you know, whether it's authors, whether it's financial coaches, whether it's, um, you know, we set up a mentorship program for divorce and separation, since that's such a sensitive thing. Most people aren't going to email a bunch of people at work and say, hey, getting separated, um, particularly through the pandemic, right? Um, so we set up a safe place for people to anonymously engage um, in, in those types of conversations to help support them. Um, so we, we kind of have all these different pockets of community building content based on what the community is telling me that they need. Um, and I've learned that the definition of a breadwinning woman is so much broader than I initially, frankly, gave it credit for. I was much more focused on, um, you know, mothers who certainly weren't raised to be, you know, in general, to expect to have become the primary breadwinner. Um, and who were in heteronormative relationships where there's a lot of complexity about how men and women in society view financial provisions for a family. As the community grew, we had women who were joining who are single and obviously the breadwinners for their households. We had single mothers uh, by choice. We have uh, women who were widowed. We have grandmothers caring for extended family members or grandchildren. Um, we have women in same-sex relationships. Uh, we we really have every household makeup that you could imagine where the women identify as being the one who keeps the lights on and keeps the food in the fridge. And those challenges and that uh, focus is really unique to female breadwinners versus male breadwinners. Um, it's We invest differently. We are engaged by the financial community in a very different way. 
we tend to have higher costs both across the products we use, our healthcare system, um, our earnings and opportunities peak earlier than our male counterparts. We live longer than men. There's a lot of compounding factors that make the role of a breadwinning woman very, very different than that of our male counterparts. And I'm not even getting into gender roles or any of those other things on top of it, right? So it's really exploded in terms of what this community means and what this community needs. Um, and it is growing every single day. And it's by far my, my proudest accomplishment. Well, congratulations. And it's really incredible what you've accomplished and you saw a need and you created a community and solution to solve for it. I have so many questions for you right now. My first <laughs> question is, is your community only within the Google organization right now, or can other women join this community outside of Google? So it's, it's only within Google right now. Um, to be totally frank, I need to be a better entrepreneurista and get this going externally. Um, you know, it's on top of my day job. Um, it's also on top of my full-time role as a mom. So it's, you know, there's a lot of other demands on time, but when I think about what's next, it's really figuring out how to engage this community externally. But I will share uh, the, the one way that I've been able to do this in a way that is, you know, I'm capable of, frankly, since I, I also have 24 hours in the day, um, is I've started a podcast at the beginning of 2000, 2020 um, called Wife Happy Life. And that's where I bring in a lot of the same conversations that, frankly, I'll bring to the community at Google. I'll then have a podcast episode uh, with those same contacts and a similar conversation so that everyone can access that content externally. And that's been a great way um, it's been so enriching for me just to continue to have these conversations that give me so much uh, energy and, and passion, um, but also a way that people can engage, obviously, free from wherever they are in the world and definitely feel part of this community. So um, those that's the way that right now I'm able to do it scalably and engage people externally. But honestly, every day I'm getting a, a text or a DM on Instagram, something about uh, the meaning of the podcast and the conversations. Um, in fact, I had a woman uh, reach out last week who said that she and her boyfriend both listen to it separately and then come back together and talk about the topics. And I thought that was so, first of all, it was so moving um, just that they would both spend so much time uh, on something that I've created, but that they're challenging themselves and their relationship based on the content. That was really special. That's really amazing. And that reminds me because when we spoke several months ago, we need to set up a, a separate conversation to do a brainstorm for you because I have so many ideas on how you can really get this community out there and get, you know, more listeners on, on the podcast because it really is a need. And we, we talked about this when, when we spoke offline before, um, I guess online, because we were on Zoom. <laughs> uh, you know, I am in a, a similar situation and am the, you know, breadwinner in our family by, by choice. That was a decision my husband and I made together when we had Molly. And it is, you know, a very interesting experience to navigate with all of the, you know, stigmas that come with being the, the breadwinner in a family and how your significant other is, is perceived and, and how they're feeling. So we definitely will be sharing links to your podcast as well, because I know a lot of members of our entrepreneurista community um, would definitely love to be able to hear some of this content that you're sharing on the podcast. And we can brainstorm ways together to to really build this community and make it even bigger for you when you're ready. <laughs> I love, I would tap into everything in your brain uh, and just uh, suck it out if I could, if that doesn't sound too gross. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, I think it's also an amazing conversation for your audience too. And what you bring to this uh, perspective is that it is possible to run your own business and be the breadwinner, right? So that is also a concept that, a lot or a message I should say that a lot of women don't get and that a lot of women are a little bit more fearful about is taking that leap in the trust for yourself and the business and your ability to produce and provide for your family and I think that's a pressure or question that a lot of men don't have in the same way. Um, so none of this is to say that male breadwinners were doing anything wrong. It's just that we've never had the conversation 
as robustly as we're starting to have in many different facets. I'm by no means the only one in this space, which is amazing. Um, but we're starting to have this conversation much more readily now because it's becoming more and more acknowledged and more and more um, disclosed. So that was a big thing for me is that this was a silent community. It was very, very hush-hush and very, um, I, I will share the first event that we had as a community at Google. Um, a close friend of mine shared how wonderful the event was, but that she didn't tell her partner about it when she got home because she didn't want him to feel bad. And therein was the crux of this, right? Is that she needed that support. She needed to feel that camaraderie, but she couldn't bring that home not because her partner is a bad person or she's a bad person, but because of all of the messages we've been getting since day one about what our roles should be. And guess what? That's not always how life, in fact, it's very rarely how life turns out, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but there was no guy on a white horse that showed up and whisked me up to his castle um, after nope, my mom didn't died, happen for just me like either. Disney tells you, you know, yeah. it's like... <laughs> you know, sorry, my mom didn't die, but I'm making a joke about the Disney movies, right? It's like, so, you know, I, I just, I, I think there's a very um, profound societal shift that can no longer go unnoticed. Absolutely. Well, you just gave me an idea. I feel like our podcast recordings, we always have these brainstorms that just happened while we're recording uh, an episode we recorded a few weeks ago with Sarah. She's the founder of, of Core. We did this brainstorm during the recording, and now we're doing this cool collaboration and partnership together with her app, which is a meditation app. So I feel like I love it. so many fun things always come out of these conversations. So I started thinking when you were mentioning you know, expanding this community with our Entrepreneurial League community that we have just launched over the past few weeks in our uh, like private chat community that we have. It's called Geneva Chat. We have different um, like sections and topics there. So we should definitely make one for for breadwinning mamas yes. or breadwinning entrepreneurs, I should say. Um, and then would love to invite you to join the community. And then you can be sharing content in there as well and sharing links to your podcast and and content that would be relevant for everyone. I think people would really find value in that. Absolutely. And I think that's the key to it is creating the space and people seeing like, oh, this has a name, right? This is a thing. And, and I've had women share with me that they are more confident in their role as a breadwinner. Um, because we've been able to name it, we have the language, we have the support of all of these women around us that are in a similar boat and that we look at as, you know, as role models. Wow, you're that too? Awesome. I feel so much better about myself and I feel like I can keep growing in my career. Um, in fact, one of the more fulfilling things we had is we had a chat across our uh, broader leadership, uh, women's leadership group recently. And there were so many women that when they were introducing themselves, they said, hi, I'm, you know, my name is Bethany. I'm based in the New York office. I work in a global business organization, proud breadwinner. And people were really, it was almost in their, you know, their, their very defining characteristics of who they were. And that was so, um, again, I'm going to use the word moving because this community brings me to tears every day. That's all it is. It's just creating the space so that there's room to say, oh, right, this is not something to be shamed of. This is something to be proud of. And what a gift to be able to do that without any hesitation. I love that. That is truly incredible. I have a few questions about the launch of your podcast because many of our listeners are thinking about starting a podcast and realize it could be a great way to create content and, and connect with others, but sometimes they just you know might not know where to start. How did you get the idea to start your podcast and what were some of those first steps that you took to make it happen? Yeah. Um, so I had the idea, some of it was very serendipitous, but I had the idea just in terms of really you know, I like to build and create things, which I'm sure so many in your entrepreneurista community do. Um, but I'm also an operator. I want to like figure out how to maximize output and minimize input. And when I thought about what is the most scalable way to continue to do what I love to do um, in terms of having these conversations and engaging more people in them, 
um, it just naturally evolved into a podcast. It seemed like a wonderful way to get the message out and to be able to do so with, you know, a relatively light lift. I don't want to diminish how a lot, how much work podcasts can be. Um, and I actually had two uh, friends at work who randomly came to me and said that they wanted to get experience in launching a podcast. So they wanted to, um, one individual wanted to get more experience with editing um, and one individual wanted to get more experience with kind of producing. So thinking of content, thinking of questions, finding guests, et cetera. Um, so we kind of formed this very scrappy little three person team got in a room and started to really think about shaping the podcast. What were the content pillars that we wanted to address? What were some of the themes that we wanted to do? Did, what was the ideal length of the podcast? Um, what was, who was our audience? You know, kind of like you would build a company, right? Really being specific and intentional about what we wanted to do with this actual community. Um, and so that was really important, I think. They really challenged me. And I will say to anybody who is looking at starting something on your own, it is so amazing to have somebody with you on the journey who you're actually not that close to because they will be really honest with you and they will not um, assume anything other than what they're hearing from you in that moment, right? So if I'm your best friend, I've had 12 million conversations with you on this topic. So I'm bringing all of that to what you're sharing with me. But if I've never talked to you about this, I only know what's in front of me. So I do think it's pulling the right people in, one, who are not gonna go too easy on you, and two, who don't have all the context, because then you can be really sure that you're helping to bring your listeners around. So they were really helpful with that. Um, unfortunately, this all happened right before the lockdown. Um, so obviously everybody was going through their own angst. Um, but where we really had that collaboration was when we were researching um, hosting sites, researching recording equipment. My husband's also a songwriter, so I am totally uh, spoiled in that I, I actually have. <laughs> yes, yes, it really does. One, I have all his equipment at home now. Um, but two, he also does all the mixing and, and leveling. So um, I think, so one, I will just go back to my original point is your network. Who yeah. do you know that can help you with this stuff? Um, and from there, it's just, you know, I, I felt like I was building this amazing group of, of women that I was engaging with on this topic. And that started to get me thinking about um, potential guests and really starting with people that I felt really comfortable, really confident in their message. Um, and then it just starts to snowball. I mean, I'll swear every week I'm like, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to do one more episode. And then the next thing I know, I have like three more episodes booked, <laughs> you know? I mean, this is the side hustle dilemma, right? You know, it's as much as you think every moment, I'm, I'm going to stop. You actually never can. It becomes so inextricable from who you are. Um, so I think those things really help to guide you. And then just be curious, right? It's like any other type of research take a look at what types of platforms are good for you, what types of user interfaces you're comfortable with, um, how much of an investment are you willing to make in equipment? It's not cheap, right? So if there's a financial barrier there, do your research on the best and most effective microphones, right? I happen to have a wonderful microphone because my husband's a songwriter. I wouldn't have paid what he paid for that, right? So it's like, you have to find what your values are in terms of what you're willing to invest for this. Um, but there's been there's been a lot of learnings along the way too. I think I started, my podcast is uh, less refined and produced. I don't do a lot of editing. Um, I don't have sponsorships. Um, my husband plays the music, so I didn't have to license any music. You know, there's those things that I'm very comfortable with that type of production. That is not for everybody. It's certainly not for every listener either. Um, I think it sounds great. I'm just telling you know your folks that you really like get as crystal clear as you can on the things that are really valuable to you about how it's produced and also how you invest in it. And then that will help kind of guide and shape what, what it is you wanna produce. Absolutely, those are all such great tips. And I'll just add, you know, to figure out what your ultimate goal is from, from the podcast and why are you looking to start it and what do you want the outcome to be? And then, and then work backwards and just start because you can always make it better. 
Oh, 100%. Every time I have a, a different like learning or a different approach. Um, and also, if you don't like to talk and you're not genuinely curious about people, do not start a podcast. <laughs> great, great advice. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like to talk or listen, um, it is not it is not the thing for you. But if you, again, are like Steph and I, where you find that connection so fulfilling, and particularly in this time where we're isolated, um, you know, I think I've been so amazed at how many amazing people I've had the privilege to meet because of the podcast or because of introductions through this time. And, and that's been a real uh, silver lining. Up next, what Bethany wished she knew when she first started her career. All right, Bethany, this is a fun new segment we are doing and it's going to be a rapid fire Q&A. So okay. for just for this short part, the first word that comes to your mind with these questions. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Actually, this one's going to be three words. Describe yourself in three words. This is the opposite of rapid fire. Okay. Describe myself in three words. Candid, caring, communicative. Love that. If you could learn one new skill, what would it be? To play an instrument. Hmm. What is your most used emoji when you send a text? Okay, so it's totally the crying, laughing face. And apparently that shows my age now because, you know, that and the side part and the skinny jeans. Have you heard this whole thing? We yes. were, I can't remember. I feel like when we were just recording recently, someone told us about this and I had no idea. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I was just telling my friend at dinner the other night, she's like, this is a thing. I'm like, just do a yeah. search. You will see 18 articles about this. But yes, I love, who doesn't love a crying laughing face? I know. I use that all the time too. That in the heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is there an app on your phone that you cannot live without? My chat. <laughs> yeah, my chat app. All the group texts. Here's a, here's a great plug for you for Google. What is your favorite tech or business solution that has helped you? <laughs> Everything Google makes. <laughs> I believe it. And actually, I was going to bring this up a, a few minutes ago, but um, in terms of you know multitasking and how we're able to get it all done, I tell people all the time, if I did not have my Google calendar, mm, we use Google oh my for God. business, yes, yes. I wouldn't know where to show up ever. <laughs> yes. Well, I will also share one of my favorite creations from a well-being perspective ever is on Android phones, there is a work profile. So your work email, your work calendar, your work chat, all of those things can be in a separate folder. So when you unplug, you can close that down and you get no notifications. You don't visually see it anymore. Um, and I think that is a real uh, well-being driver. Wow. What is that called? Uh, I think it's just work profile on your, yeah, when you're on an Android device, yeah. Good to know, I did not know that. Oh, here's another good one for you. Ready? Do you have a hidden talent that we don't know about? Well, I have a very flexible back. <laughs> I used to be able to do crazy back bends, like hold my nose with my toes. Um, but I'm in my mid forties now. So I'm afraid if I did that, <laughs> I might not get up tomorrow morning. I, I can relate. I, I was a gymnast and cheerleader when I was younger. And now I did a cartwheel recently. My husband's like, are you sure you should be doing that right now? <laughs> No, we should not be doing any yes. of these things. Need to stretch first. Wait a minute. Actually, I'm going to take that back because this, so I know this is supposed to be one word and it's not, but a quick story that I'm very proud of is when New Year's hit this year, I said, I want to learn to do a handstand. I've never done a handstand that I know of, you know, except probably when I was seven. And my daughter is a gymnast and she full on taught me to do a handstand. So that is something I can still do when my carpal tunnel isn't acting up, which I'm very proud of. There you go. So if you put your mind to something, you can get it done. Exactly. <laughs> Last rapid fire. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Teleportation mm. to a, a beach at any given time. <laughs> I'm with you. I will be there. Definitely. Could save us a lot of time and uh, make for things to be uh, to, to get places much faster. So mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. What does your this is not rapid fire now back to regular oh, regular okay. programming. I, I was not good at rapid fire, though, by the way. <laughs> it's OK. I if, if this was reversed and I was on your podcast, you were asking me rapid fire. I would probably be uh, 
telling stories. So <laughs> do not worry. <laughs> what does your typical day look like for you when you're not working? And, you know, what is it like balancing, you know, being a mom and having this incredibly successful career? Oh, thank you. Um, you know, my kids are older. So my son's about to turn 14. My daughter is nine. So it's very different than it was in the past. Um, I think kudos to my husband who is always very adamant about unplugging and spending time together as a family and everybody's home for dinner and Sunday is the day of rest and not making too many plans. So he is really, I think the driver of kind of the grounding of our family um, not in terms of punishment, but in terms of like making sure that we are really connecting as a family unit. So um, I'm much more the crazy taskmaster where, you know, Saturday I'll be like 8 million errands. And he's like, oh my God, it's Saturday. I'm like, yeah, well, that's life. That's what you do on Saturdays. Now, at least with being remote, I'm able to do that stuff during the week when I have, if and when I have breaks. Um, but I think, you know, really as the kids are older now, I really try to just engage them in some sort of activity or some sort of conversation. You know, it's, it's not, you know, if I say, let's go for a family bike ride, the eyes are rolling and somebody doesn't want to go and someone can't find their shoe or something like that. It's not as easy as it used to be to just throw everybody in the car and go do something. Um, but I do try to find moments or things that we can slice off and make sure we're spending some family time together. Um, otherwise I, I really try to relax. I mean, there's not that much going on in the middle of the pandemic, so we're not doing a ton of traveling. Um, but I do try as much as I can to relax. It's very, very hard for me. It's very hard for me to sit still and read a book or to not pick up my phone or to not have a million thoughts going on in my head. I have, I have the same problems if that helps you not feel alone. <laughs> it's awful. I mean, I used to get, when my children were little, I remember coming home from like a walk and my husband would just get home, sit down on the couch and open his magazine and just start reading it, right? Like if he went to Barnes and Noble, got the new Rolling Stone. I'm like, how do you do that? And he's like, you are choosing right now to unpack the stroller, to throw in a load of laundry, to sift through the mail. You are choosing to do that. You do not have to do that right now. I'm like, he's so, it's so obnoxious. He's so right. So my husband's very, very good at relaxing. I'm very, very bad at it. And then we somehow have to meet in the middle. That's what my weekends are like. <laughs> no, that's, that sounds like mine too. I can, I can definitely relate. What would you say you're most grateful for? Mm. I mean, this year, just, just health. Um, I, I think there's, there is no shortage of gratitude uh, for what I think everybody's been through. Um, and obviously with the global pandemic, uh, the understanding that general life is happening on top of this global pandemic. Um, and I just am very grateful for health and science. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Finally, is there anything that you wish you had known that you know now when you first started your career? I wish I knew, you know, there's this concept that comes up a lot in career conversations. And it's this concept, you know, run your own race, right? Where it's so easy you know, just in general, right? Think about Instagram, all these places. It's so easy to constantly compare yourself to each other. Um, and I think certainly in your career, right? Why did that person get more responsibility than I did? Why did they get promoted before I did? How did they get to be such good friends with that leader? How, you know, just realizing, kind of going back to the beginning of our conversation, what is your unique story? What is your unique race? Why is this, and I don't mean like a race to finish, but you know, a career is a very long thing. Um, and I think about it in terms of, you know, 17 to 18. I mean, I did work before Google. So let's just say for argument's sake, 20 years, probably going to be doing this for another 20 years. Um, the next 20 years, I think is going to be the most interesting because you're bringing all of those experiences and all of those wisdom, uh, that wisdom and hopefully like half of the insecurities during this next phase. Um, so I think really giving yourself grace, giving yourself um, space to know what it is that's meaningful for you, to know 
that, you know, people make different choices in life that leads to different outcomes. It doesn't mean they're better or worse. It's just, that's why people are interesting. And that's why life is interesting. And if we all looked like these, you know, worker bees in the cartoons going to the same house at night and then going to the same job in the morning, like that would be, that's a horror movie, right? So really embrace the fact that you are building your own life and your own path um, rather than trying to keep up or trying to maneuver in a certain way. Absolutely. It can be so easy to scroll through Instagram and compare yourself to, to everyone else, but you are your own unique person and on your own journey. And that's just such, such great advice. Finally, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? I think it's finding, you know, similar, I keep going back to these words of path, race, but it's finding your lane, right? Finding that thing that, you know, you're going to get beaten down at any point with whatever it is you're doing, right? Whether it's your career, whether it's your exercise goals, whether it's your parenting, at some point, you're going to be like, I am so bad at this. You know, you're going to feel those moments. And I feel like if you are an entrepreneurista and you are looking to devote your time and your energy and your passion towards something, make sure that it is deserving of all of those things from you because it will beat you until, you know, it, it will make sure that you are as committed to it as you need to be. And then, like I said before, you know, when you're waking up and you're like, oh, why am I doing this? And then two minutes later, you find yourself with like 18 more meetings about something and you're so excited about it. That is the life of, of any sort of startup or any sort of side hustle is that it becomes something you can't not do. Absolutely. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing your journey and story with all of our entrepreneurs. Where can everyone find you and follow you? And of course, listen to your podcast. Absolutely. Um, so I am on LinkedIn and Instagram, uh, Bethany Baines. Um, and certainly, please, please, please tune into the podcast. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Working Wife Happy Life and you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Wonderful. And we will be sharing all of those links in the show notes below. So to our incredible listeners, be sure to check that out. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entrepreneurista.com and connect with us on Instagram at Entrepreneurs. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entrepreneurs League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entrepreneurs.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead.